Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Welcome to Product Coffee. Today, we have an amazing guest on the show. Super excited to chat with her, Komal Argawal. She's a senior product manager at TikTok. She's moving over to LinkedIn. Had an amazing career working at companies like AppSumo. She's been a startup mentor and all sorts of fun, interesting things around marketplace, monetization, ads, consumer tech. There's so many things we can talk about, so I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. For folks that aren't aware of your background and who you are, would you mind giving us a little elevator pitch on yourself? Yeah, I guess the way I like to sort of explain my experience is that I've sort of always had this fascination around startups and how the underdog basically is able to outshine the bigger players in the space. And I've had that fascination probably since high school or college. And I've used that same passion for startups throughout the entire career that I've had. Most recently, I'm a senior PM at TikTok trying to build a zero to one marketplace where we're trying to help advertisers get connected with third-party creators because a lot of times people have no idea how to make TikToks that perform well. And so we're helping them bridge that gap. Before that, like I guess at the very beginning of my career, I had been working really closely with startups in Startup Accelerator. And that was actually, I think, the moment where I got super excited because I was working one-on-one with startups in a vast array of different industries. And they were coming to me, asking me questions about things that I had no idea I had the authority to really help them with, whether it was like their pricing model or like, how do we find investors and pitch ourselves to them? Or what should we make our logo look like? And helping them through a lot of those questions, it really got me excited about building businesses. And when I moved to Austin, I learned about product management itself. And that blew my mind. I didn't know that that was even a job that people got paid to do because it was all the fun parts I felt of building a company packed into one role. At that time, I was working in financial services, really wanted to move into tech and product management was the first thing that I really set my eyes on because it was exactly what I was looking for in a single role. From there, I guess, fast forward a bit, I moved on to become a lead product manager at ShipEngine, which is a lot of ways a startup at a publicly traded company called Stamps.com. And then after that, like you mentioned, I worked at AppSumo building a marketplace. And today I'm working at TikTok as well. And throughout that journey, I've kind of always wanted to keep up with working with founders and startups as well. So even to this day, I love mentoring founders and helping them with their biggest questions. That's amazing. Such an interesting background. We all have our own journeys into product. What specifically drew you to product outside of working with these startups? This was back in like 2016, 2017. And I feel like at that time, especially in Austin, product management was an extremely tiny community. I kind of stumbled upon it sort of on accident. I was just mostly going to different networking events after work that were related to tech. And one of those events was actually basically an overview of what product manager, what they do on a day-to-day basis and what that role looks like. At that time, actually, I feel like the role was still in its like really early stages where people were still trying to define what a product manager Mm. does, how they fit into the organization and what their scope looks like. And 
it was actually so broad that that gave me a lot of excitement because I'm drawn more to roles that are very creative in nature and where you're able to like really understand the user pain points and figure out what it takes to build a solution that is right for them. I think that was actually the biggest thing that really drew me to it. It wasn't like someone was telling you specifically, okay, you got to do this. It was more like, you know, you got to put a lot of different ideas and find ways to connect them to build a solution that was actually useful for the end user. I love that creativity focus too. I find that it's such a mix of art and science. It's trying to put science around the art too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that attracts me the most to it as well. I'm glad that product has found you and you've found that and you're able to contribute in this way. You've had a big impact in your career. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about the specific processes and practices that you do or have experienced, what works well, what doesn't. As part of the show is to be able to share with others and kind of learn from their experiences. I think what we can do is start with strategic planning is hot right now. It's the cycle. It's the beginning of the quarter. A lot of teams are kind of thinking through this. Now at TikTok, how are you approaching that cycle? That is definitely a big top of line topic for us right now within our team, because one thing I've noticed, and I know TikTok, the culture is much more biased towards it, where there's a lot more autonomy and flexibility within each of our product teams to figure out what is the most important thing for us to be working on and how do we put all the resources and energy towards those highest priority things in the next year or two in order for us to like Mm. really move the needle that we're trying to drive for the business. A lot of the strategic planning, I would say, is a very collaborative process for us. One thing that we're trying to do and implement on like a regular basis is more of like a bi-yearly cadence of getting everyone in the same room in like an offsite setting where we're actually collaboratively talking through and brainstorming all the way from what are the core user pain points that we're trying to address. And then thinking through those deeply before we actually nail down, like, what are the things that our product needs to be good at? And therefore, how can we actually structure our roadmap around those problems and pain points? With that customer and who you're servicing. When you go about that, what is product's role in that? I would imagine TikTok, you have a lot of resources, right? So you probably have like user research teams, but you have the ability to aggregate that data to then drill in. How does that look like? The way I kind of think about it is... Generally speaking, the product team is sort of like the glue between all the other teams and organizations at TikTok. While there might be a lot of different perspectives across the team, such as sales might have a very in-the-weeds understanding of what an advertiser is going through on a day-to-day basis, all the way from like conceptualizing an ad to actually starting a campaign and then when they might want to change their ads or iterate and things like that. Whereas let's say our engineering team has an awesome perspective around what are the functionalities and capabilities of what we can actually realistically build and where the skeletons lie, so to speak. So in a lot of these strategic planning sessions, I feel like the main role that product plays is one as like a moderator, trying to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and empowered to share their perspectives and opinions throughout these sessions. And then two, it's really just trying to think through What are the nuggets of awesome insights that we're hearing from all these other departments? And how can we sort of synthesize all of them towards one strategic vision? 
And I think that yeah. is actually the really hardest part about a lot of these strategy yes. sessions because <laughs> ultimately, while it's fun to talk through and have these really amazing conversations, at the end of the day, we need actionable steps of what are we going to do based off of all of the, the things that are discussed. And I yeah. feel like that is the, the biggest thing that product really helps put together and really devise like, okay, what are the actual tactics that we're going to take out of this? So you kind of go wide with a broad, diverse team. You get all the ideas and nuggets and then you kind of take that and process the information and then spit out some strategic areas right mm -hmm. um, from that point of view what is your decision criteria to now prioritize and then mm -hmm. recommunicate back to that same group that is also part of the sort of black magic of product management because it's not just around taking what everyone thinks is the most important and then putting it into a spreadsheet and being like okay guys we're done I think a lot of it is based off of the knowledge that product managers have talking directly to our users, synthesizing it with the data that we're seeing within our platform itself. It's really important for us to sort of prioritize the insights that we're getting from across the team into what is actually going to be meaningfully important for our end users and ultimately the business. The quick and dirty framework that tends to be pretty helpful for a lot of these are like the RICE framework. I'm sure you've heard about mm -hmm. which, where you compare reach versus the severity of that problem and how much you plan on impacting that. C would be thinking through how confident you are that you can actually yep. solve the mm -hmm. problem. And E would be what is the actual effort or yep. scope that it would take on actually implementing any of those solutions. Reach, impact, confidence, yeah. and effort, right? That's one way that you could spit out a score to mm -hmm. prioritize and stack rank. You can custom build your own score. You can make it simple. We talked with uh, David on this podcast before about just keeping it really simple, impact and effort, or yeah. uh, Dan Olson is impact and satisfaction. So from there, you break that down, you prioritize. And what is the level of granularity that you prioritize? Do you prioritize against the objective or outcome or the initiative? I think one of the pitfalls that I've noticed with a lot of these frameworks for prioritizing different initiatives is that Sometimes they're not necessarily a one-to-one -one comparison from item to item. One of them might be like a really huge project and it addresses maybe a different use case or pain point than another item in that list. That's where I think it becomes really critical for a product to really think through not only what is this spreadsheet and framework spitting out, but let's look through the actual items because some things sometimes are... Um, basically blockers for you to be able to work on other items on that list, for example. Mm. Or if I were to work on something that doesn't seem like it's necessarily that impactful in the immediate term, that actually opens doors for us to work on other features or improvements that are going to also really meaningfully change the direction of the product or the value yeah. that we provide for the end users. Within the ideas themselves, you have a prioritization stack ranking framework, exactly. but yeah. what actually gets put into that list is where <laughs> you're talking about more of like the strategy. How do you handle that today? How do you determine what is in that list to get prioritized? It all ties back to the strategy that envision that we aligned around generally during these strategy sessions mm -hmm. and the conversations that we have with leadership and other stakeholders across the team. Um, Ultimately, if we know where we want to go in the next two to five years, working backwards from there is significantly easier. Mm -hmm. And then you have to think through what are the big rocks or the really urgent big projects that we need to take on in the immediate term and what things can we sort of delay later on in the line. 
once you have that vision and that plan ready, the actual tactical steps and the prioritization of the initiatives that you want to work on become a lot simpler. The output from these strategy sessions, what is that typically? Is it a OKR? Is it a Gantt roadmap? What are you expected to deliver as a PM as an output from these sessions? I think it might be good to maybe take a step back of what these sessions tend to look like in general. Um, in these sessions, I try to get an even number of people across each team. Let's say if you have someone from sales, perhaps some operations or marketing team members, definitely people from product, as well as anyone on the more technical side of things. Ideally, you would have some engineers. Basically, everyone who's the most closely devoted to the product mm. is going to be within those sessions. When I start the session, I think it's important first to give everyone a baseline understanding about where are we at now and what are the customers that we're trying to solve for, making sure that everyone understands the full spectrum of the pain points mm. and the journey that they tend to go through within our product or even in general without our product? Like what are the workarounds that they tend to go through if we never existed? And once everyone has a pretty solid understanding about that, I think it makes it a lot easier for people to think through some of those more nitty gritty strategic questions that we're trying to answer. Mm. So for us, top of mind, we're really trying to nail down, okay, where do we want to go in the next two to five years? And what do we also not want to do? And I think those are some really tricky questions to ask up front in a meeting. You need to kind of get people's thoughts going and help mm. them all have a baseline state of mind mm. in order to make those questions and the, that brainstorming session as fruitful as possible. Generally, after talking through their personas and the user journey, we'll talk through some more about what are some other competing products in the space. Maybe think through a little bit more of like the market dynamics that we are aware of. and. Because I'm working on a two-sided marketplace, we're always trying to think through not only our customer base or our demand side, but also how are we really fostering a healthy ecosystem within our supply side of our business. Getting people within the team used to thinking of both sides of the marketplace is also really critical for us because we generally have people who might be solely dedicated to just demand or only supply and making sure that they're speaking the same language is also really critical here. In terms of facilitating the discussions, we generally try to do breakout sessions with smaller groups of people where we have everyone coming up with different ideas to answer a top yeah. question with sticky notes. My goal is to make sure that everyone has their voices heard and that their yeah. ideas are properly expressed. And if we don't have the loudest person in the room kind mm -hmm. of carrying the entire conversation. Right. To answer your question about what is the output from these sessions, we want to... Make sure that we have everyone uh, expressing different ideas to solutions around some of those top questions that I expressed. What are the solutions that we want to implement in the next two to five years? And mm. everyone in the room is going to probably vote on those ideas so that we have ideally three to five top solutions in mind. And then it kind of goes back to a lot of the prioritization and vision setting that, that we talked about a little bit earlier. Once we know what, as a team, we think is realistic for us to accomplish, mm. revising our vision and strategy based off of that becomes the next most important thing for us to do. So the product mm. team will get together to nail that vision and strategy. And then from there, once we have alignment across the team, we're also going to nail down what are the solutions that we actually want to implement in our long-term roadmap.
there's so many ways that you can strategically plan in your organization and look so different, but the, the practices that work well for others, it's so helpful to understand that. I appreciate you going into that detail. You touched on the vision and the strategy from the product leadership side of things. How is that collaborated and communicated to the PMs as the VP of product, head of product, CPO, what have you? Do they give a speech and go through the vision? Do they collaborate and construct vision, co-creating with the PMs? What does that handoff look like? The best way that I have seen to nail down different decisions as efficiently as possible, and I think every company is a little bit different based on like their culture and how people prefer to collaborate. In mm -hmm. my experience, at least at TikTok, it has been significantly easier if as a product team, we are able to take a first stab at a lot of these visions and strategies and everything like that and present that to leadership saying like, this is where we as a team have aligned around and mm. really just trying to get their stamp of approval versus asking leadership to give us what they think. Because at the end of the day, the people who are working on the product day in and day out are so much more closer to the user and mm. the problems that we're trying to solve that that's one thing that I've always really appreciated about the TikTok culture as a whole. The leadership generally trusts the team to put together what they think is the best solution, and then they'll provide feedback based off of that. So there's some sort of presentation from the bottoms up to that executive team, and then the ability to provide feedback and clarity, and then take mm -hmm. that to shape the vision and strategy for the future. How are the teams organized today in TikTok? And can you give me a good sense of size? Like, are we talking, is there 50 PMs? Is there hundreds? Is there like... <laughs> Two, like, yeah, give yeah. me a sense of scale and then how you organized. This is something that I've noticed is quite variable across TikTok. There are some teams that have dozens of PMs and just team members as a whole, whereas some of the newer products, like the product that I'm working on, TikTok Creative Exchange, is a lot smaller because we're more of a zero to one product. Mm. My team has a much smaller PM team of like three or four PMs and a much smaller dedicated engineering team. So I think yeah. it all just clearly depends on the life cycle of the team and the product itself. How long has that product been around? And also, what is the overall scope of the program as a whole? So I would mm. expect someone who works on core features within TikTok, like the algorithm that sorts through which ads or content that you would see on a day-to-day -day basis right. is a much bigger team than mm. a team that's working on more of like experimental type products. The algorithm team, are they kind of broken out on components of the algorithm? How do you organize that strategy within a product like that? That is a good question. And I actually have not much visibility <laughs> into how the Fair teams enough. are organized beyond <laughs> yeah. that. One thing I've noticed is that TikTok is much more of a very flat organization. Mm. We actually don't see whose job title or even who reports to whom very easily within our internal mm. products and internal tooling. It's much yeah. more like people will reach out to one another because they know they work on specific initiatives or products. Mm. There's a little bit of a trade-off, of course. On one hand, mm -hmm. it helps you feel a lot more collaborative across all the people that you work with because you don't necessarily care about their job title or their seniority. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it does get a little bit confusing, I would say, sometimes because you don't necessarily know how all the people are related to one another. <laughs> so within the creator exchange, the product that you're responsible for, and it's a zero to one, you said there was three PMs. Is that right? Mm -hmm. 
How do you organize within a zero to one? Do you have one focused on more growth type of product management and one platform or one feature? Can you go into that detail there? The product that I work on is in a lot of ways, purely a two-sided marketplace where we have demand, supply, and then our mm -hmm. platform that we need to think about, or essentially like a lot of things related to how we measure, recommend different suppliers and facilitate a lot of the transactions and everything. Mm. The structure of our team is very similar to a past role when I was working at AppSumo, where we were also working on a two-sided marketplace. I think it's very simple from like a PM standpoint to have someone dedicated to demand, someone dedicated yep. to supply, and then someone dedicated to measurement and performance and a lot of the like core functionality that need to be built. Yeah. That's generally how we structured the team. A platform product manager and then two focused on the customer. We're kind of going to a topology exercise of our own and getting to the point where we're growing and we need to think about how we organize for that scale. Thank you for going into the detail a little bit. I think topology also helps inform the strategy. How do we want to decide what we do and mm -hmm. how do we want to structure the team so that it's not just words, it's actually actions and how we kind of operate on the day-to-day. -day. And speaking of the day-to-day, what does a typical product life cycle look like at TikTok or, you know, pick and choose whichever company? Yes. How do you take an idea all the way through to um, product outcome? This is something that varies quite significantly depending on the company, kind of going back to like the size of the company, what stage of growth you're at, and generally just the pace and culture in which the company wants to operate. For example, when I was in my first product job at Ship Engine, we operated largely in quarter basis. Every quarter, we as a team would get together. It was more of like a pure agile Kanban type of cadence that we tend to operate with, where every quarter we would come up with OKRs. I would collaborate with the leaders of each of the teams that are dedicated to the product and think through like, what are the big solutions or features that we needed to address by the end of that three-month cycle? Of course, we would always have an ongoing 12-month roadmap to kind of mm -hmm. work back from on that quarterly planning. When I worked at AppSumo, we were a much smaller, more nimbler startup. We took a lot of inspiration from the six-week cycle cadence, where every six weeks we would basically do the same exercise that I was explaining earlier, mm. but at a much shorter time frame. Mm -hmm. Over the course of me working at AppSumo, we started to extend that time frame to actually quarterly cadence because the company grew so fast during mm. that short time. When I joined AppSumo, we were at maybe 40 people total. And then when I left, we were pushing like 120, if not 150 people. When you scale that aggressively, you can't necessarily work that fast because otherwise it just causes overall whiplash across the org <laughs> around all the things that are changing so fast. Joining TikTok is an interesting dynamic because one thing that I've heard just across the tech industry is that TikTok moves extremely fast. A lot of people coming in from other fame companies like Google or Facebook, they're much more used to doing, if not quarterly cadence, they might even do six-month cadence. So for them coming in from those types of environments going into TikTok, it is big culture shock because at TikTok, we work in what we call bi-month cadences. So every two months... We're thinking through our OKRs, what features we're looking to build. And we actually build all of those things within that two-month time frame as well. 
our engineers are like super powered engineers. I was like blown away at like how well and how fast they can build some really meaningful features. For me, thinking through the background that I came in from with AppSumo and the previous more startup background, it actually wasn't that drastic of a transition for me. It was actually a little bit exhilarating because I was like, wow, not only do we move fast as much as I wanted to, but it's like done so flawlessly. I almost had no notes to give our engineering team and pretty much everything that we shipped. It was remarkable. There was definitely a learning curve for people coming in from like other bigger companies that are much more established where people are used to everything moving a lot slower. I haven't seen it done that way, but if you have the engineering team to just knock things out, that's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Then it becomes much more of a responsibility for a product to really be, first of all, confident in what needs to get built. And you also need to be very persuasive and have a close relationship with design and engineering because when they are enthusiastic and believe in the vision of what they're building, they'll do anything it takes to like actually make that come to life. That was actually my favorite part about working here because we're super motivated from like the product vision standpoint of what we're trying to build and really trying to make an impact on the solution that we're trying to build. Even more into the day-to-day, you mentioned collaboration with design and engineering. Do you have a counterpart on those? Like you have a tight-knit team, an EM or a technical lead, and then a product designer kind of representative or lead as well? It's basically how we might expect it to work at a lot of other tech companies where we generally have dedicated pods of engineers, designers, and product managers mm-hmm. who collaborate day in and day out. So we would have a dedicated design lead as well as engineering lead to help coordinate all of the initiatives. Is there any other functions worth calling out or is it just product, engineering, and design? As we're thinking through a lot of the different solutions that we want to implement, on my product, we have an operations team. I think in other teams, they might have what we call like product strategy and operations or PMM. They all have like different variations of the job title. But it's essentially people who are responsible for, first of all, like inbound feedback or outbound messaging and go-to-market strategy and any of the marketing that needs to get put together for any of the features that we're building, whether it's internal or external. Of course, at the end of the day, they're always going to be a huge partner for anything that we're working on as well. Because the big question that we're trying to understand is, okay, based off of what we're building, How does that translate into user value and how do we tell them that we're doing something that's useful? (laughs) They're involved in more of the planning cycle, but not necessarily the day-to-day execution or are they involved throughout? I would say they're involved throughout the journey in different ways. So at the beginning, they're involved in like the planning and really understanding like how do we help solve the problem that we're trying to address? And then as we're starting to put together the actual PRD and the scope of the feature that we're building, they're always going to be a partner when it comes to how we do any sort of go-to-market planning and internal communication around what is being built and what's coming in the pipeline. So at different steps in the journey, there's going to be like different uh, roles and responsibilities. You mentioned PRD. How does TikTok create PRDs? Or how have you seen that work well? When I first joined TikTok, we didn't, for my team at least, have a set outline of what a product requirement stock should look like. One of the things that I worked with my manager on was actually trying to find a way to standardize and create a template around 
the PRD because based off of what that PRD contains, that is basically the source of truth for not only engineering to build out the whole feature, but it's also the single document where everyone else across the team is going to look at in order to even understand what are the ins and outs of the feature, because not everyone is going to necessarily have access to the product itself. When we were trying to think about what are the most important things for us to include in the PRD, along with the requirements and user stories, we mostly wanted to make sure that it was a very thorough document that anyone can read from beginning to end and really understand what is being implemented and why, and how is it actually going to help impact the product and the business overall. It's a little bit of a balancing act because mm. no matter which documents you put together, if they're too long and too wordy, no one's going to read it thoroughly and then they're going to still come to you and ask a lot of questions. Whereas even though it's like already written in the document, it's a lot easier yeah. just to talk to someone. <laughs> I tried to make sure that we kept things short and sweet throughout mm. the, the PRD template. But main questions that I want to make sure everyone is always addressing within it is what is the problem and why is it so urgent and important that we address it now? What are some uh, workarounds that people might be doing now because of this? And what are some examples in other competing products or other solutions that we're aware of outside of the product that we're working on that we can use as inspiration? There's always going to be a really critical component of including data to really drive home the need for this solution and, you know, what we're hoping to see an improvement on after we implement this. So basically, like, what is the baseline metric? Let's say you're seeing 10% conversion. At the end of the solution, we want to see a 20% conversion rate. Mm. Going through, like, the actual requirements and then an example of the wireframes or designs that you're hoping to implement. I think those are all the standard core things that we want to include. If I were to repeat that, what's the problem that you're solving? Why is it urgent? What are the workarounds? What is the inspirations, kind of the competitive inspiration out there or alternatives? What data do you have to baseline? And then what are you hoping to change? And then going into the details of the harder requirements themselves, the mocks and the user yeah. stories and what have you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and one other thing I always like to add at the end is what are we not going to do? And what Love is a non-goal for this solution? I think sometimes it's pretty easy for people to think through all these crazy different edge cases and want to come up with solutions around those as well. But one lens that I'm always trying to encourage our product team to think about is what is the majority use case and like the 80% um, solution towards mm. whatever problem we're trying to address? Because edge cases are going to continue to come up, but usually it's much more work mm. than it's worth to try to like solve for each and every one of them. I feel like we can talk for ages, but we do have to close things out here. Before we do that, wanted to ask you one last question here. What was the last product that you upgraded? Interesting. Let's see. I'll probably need to upgrade my webcam <laughs> at some point because <laughs> it keeps messing up on me. But I think maybe another example would be, I've been going on a lot of hiking trips recently and I've been doing a pretty poor job of being prepared because uh, a lot of the hiking that I do in the Austin area is all within the green belt. You're like still in the city and stuff. And so I never really took the time to invest in like official hiking and or like camping gear. 
but I'm about to go on a road trip soon to like a lot of different national parks. So I finally invested in a, um, you know, those backpacks that have like a built-in water bottle. Like I got a Camelback or yeah. 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 Kind of like that. I finally bought one from REI and I'm like super nice. stoked because I feel like <laughs> I'm starting to now be part of like the whole outdoorsy aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if we were to hand out homework to our listeners for this week, like something that they could take away from our conversation to put into action, I feel like mm -hmm. there's so many good things here. So is there something that you can think of that you can assign them with? I think an easy one is to think through how is your current product requirements doc or any sort of like communications documents that you're using within your own team, how can those be made more efficient? and really help convey the overall message of what you're trying to convey as elegantly as possible, whether creating a template is the right solution for you or mm. figuring out ways to like really get to the core message that you want to send across. I think that would be a good homework or, you know, good use of your time. Another thing that I think might be more of like an ongoing homework for people to think about is what are some of the ongoing planning or high-level strategy processes that you're going through within your team? And what parts of that kind of suck? And how would you want to make that a lot better for not only yourself, but everyone else within your organization? For us, it was much more important for us to get together and like just hash a bunch of things out in an in-person setting as like an offsite. For other companies and other cultures, they might have a different approach for what works best within their teams. So mm. really just trying to like get in the room with um, your stakeholders and maybe even leadership at your company and have more of that meta conversation around what's working, what's not working, and how can we, can we make this process a lot better for everyone involved. I would echo both of those assignments, but to get more specific, we just repeated the template. This is a great way to start, right? Use these questions, this template. If you don't have a PRD, make that template. Answer these questions before you make your next investment in terms of a product work and then see how it works and then report back. What did you learn? What's better? What, what worked? What didn't, right? We'd mm -hmm. love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Como, for coming on the show. Is there anything that our audience can help you with? reach out to you, go visit, what have you, anything you want to promote? I'm pretty much open to connections on LinkedIn if you ever want to reach out. Um, I'm also, also in the Austin area and love to be involved in the product community here. So I would love to see anyone at any of our product networking events and meetups. Awesome. Is there any in particular? Do you have a specific meetup that you want to plug? We have quite a few. A lot of the Big ones in the Austin area are run by this guy, Dan Corbin. He's actually been a huge impact in my own product journey. And he likes to Love do it. all these pretty huge networking events at the HEB building. So those are always a, a great time. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I think our listeners would love to hear all this information and they're excited that you had the opportunity to speak with us today. So thank you so much for your time and thanks for being on the show. It looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, 
we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.